0: cup of cubby blue you're the cubs finally won another series home for cubs news updates and banter we're the official podcast of bleed cubby blue you know the drill you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for bleed cubby blue if you enjoy the podcast leave us a five star rating so other people will find the podcast and get their cubs news updates and banter i'm sarah sanchez i write about the cubs and why nick madrigal is not hitting at the moment uh i am joined by the one and only danny rocket how's it going danny
1: i'm I'm doing great today's my birthday, so Happy birthday. uh thank you very much and uh and i I just came to find out why Nick Madrigal isn't hitting from you, so that's why I'm here today <laughs> just because to, you gotta tell me because I don't understand it, according to the White sox fans. he's incredible
0: you know i am I am neck deep in this research right now. I have not yet gotten this piece posted, which I'm sure Al is like dying about as we speak because I just wrote him to say, hey, not quite done, but I'm I'm still working on it. Um, No, there's some interesting stuff going on in the underlying profile, though. Like, you know, Sahada wrote a piece earlier this week for The Athletic, looking at how Madrigal is uh, struggling a bit against fastballs, which is not something that has ever really been true of him in the past. I actually went back and looked at some – Old pieces about Nick Madrigal, his contact rates, why he had such a special bat and like what he was doing to make contact in the zone. And one of the things I found that was super cool that will make it into my piece one way or the other is at Devin Fink over at Fangraphs did a piece on foul balls and how for batters, foul balls, really, they're only either a strike or they extend the bat in your favor, right? And Nick Madrigal had this sort of otherworldly, I can extend the bat in my favor contact tool That helped him out a lot, but that doesn't seem to be there right now. Balls that he used to be fouling off that were helping him extend at that so that he could then make better contact, he is whiffing on at the moment. Now, I imagine that that's if he's dealing with some back issues or whatever it is that he's dealing with that they're trying to get him right from. Or, you know, just even the leg fatigue stuff from like he had major leg surgery and he's got to adjust his stance that all of that, could impact a super elite contact tool. So I'm I'm optimistic the Cubs have a plan here, but I think that Nick Madrigal at the moment is not the Nick Madrigal that Cubs fans were promised.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, also you forget the factor of that. Every guy that signs with the Cubs or is traded to the Cubs, at least stinks for a year. Like that is just the law. I think (laughs) (laughs) I can you know, it, <laughs> the there's like something of- in
0: the Cubs clubhouse that turns them into a lesser version of themselves.
1: <laughs> it's just a jinx. I don't understand. For a year. It's a year-long jinx, and then they come out of it and can do okay. But but yeah, well, I, I I kid the Cubs. I kid them.
0: We'll, we'll try to get you a fixed Nick, Nick Madrigal for your birthday this year, Danny. That'll help make the summer at Wrigley Field a little bit more tenable and enjoyable, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, But before we get to whether or not Nick Madrigal can get fixed, let's talk about this series in San Diego. The Cubs finally won a series. It has been a hot minute. They have not won a series since the opening series where they took two from the Brewers. Uh, Danny, what did you see from this Cubs team in San Diego?
1: Well, we got, well, we got Dr. Hendo and not Mr. Kyle. (laughs) That's for sure. Dr. Hendo
0: is my favorite.
1: Yeah. And, uh, that was just one of the best games he ever pitched in a Cubs uniform in this, in the first game. Um, I, I, I had looked up the defensive stats of San Diego before this series. And I saw that their catchers hadn't thrown out anybody. Well, not until we came to town now they have, but, um, but I think that's a lot of the reason why the Cubs were kind of running at will during this series. And they stole a couple of runs. They might have made a few outs on the base paths as well. But the, aggress- the aggressive running and uh, putting a lot of pressure on the San Diego defense, I think, was the right move. And um, it worked out. So it, that was great. Um, unfortunately, the Cubs are pretty banged up. So I kind of didn't know who was going to be on the team. I didn't know who was going to start the, a lot of the games until Miley came back. And so it's just, this is a team in flux. It's, uh, it's all, already was a team in flux before the series even started injuries, COVID, um, guys coming back from injuries. Dead, back from COVID back from COVID. Yeah. I mean, it just like we're, we, we saw a lot in this series and, and they were actually, unfortunately they w- were late games. So I bet you a lot of people missed the end of them but these were pretty good baseball games to yeah, watch. They,
0: they were a lot of fun. Even the heartbreaking Frank Schwindel almost hit a grand slam, just depressing Marine layer ball that we'll talk about when we get to game two. Um, but let's talk about Kyle Hendricks a little bit here. Cause I agree. This was definitely one of his best games pitched in a Cubs uniform. He is, He looked outstanding. He threw eight and two thirds innings. I know a lot of people, including our friend, Michael Cotton were really <laughs> like, give him the final out. But he really did look done when Ross came to get him from the mound. I actually think my favorite anecdote from this game is that when Kyle went into the dugout after the eighth inning, and, and we didn't find this out until the next day when Boog um, brought it up in an interview with Kyle Hendricks during game two of this series. But uh, Kyle goes to walk into the dugout and David Ross kind of sticks his hand out, like, good job, you're done. And Kyle tells the story that that's what Ross does. Like when he's ready to pull you, he kind of sticks his hand out. Like, yeah, congrats. Good job. And apparently, and the camera just misses this because Kyle's back is to the camera, but David Ross sticks his hand out. Kyle looks at him, raises his eyebrow and goes, you sure? David (laughs) Ross said, not really. And Kyle said, that's all I need to hear. And walked right past the outstretched hand, which might be the funniest and most amazing thing that Kyle Hendricks has ever done. But also the fact, There was something about the way Hendricks was joking about that, the way he was talking about his performance, the way he was talking about his mechanics overall, and it built on him talking about his performance. He was really happy with how he pitched against the White Sox. He didn't get the results for it. It was a lot of soft contact, but that was more the type of results he was looking for. Got a lot of ground balls in this outing, not a lot of fly balls, which has been the problem for him early so far. Danny, I think Dr. Hendo is back
1: yeah I mean you you hope that he can build upon that uh outing i mean he's, he's it's been inconsistent is the concern, and so I think I don't think we expect him to do what he did in San Diego and have a complete game shutout every time he goes out there uh but at the same time uh it, you know i I feel like he's figuring stuff out and also working with gomes seems to be a thing. For him, uh, he spoke very highly in that Boog interview on Tuesday night during the game uh, in whatever inning that was of working with Gomes and how he was using his fastball on the edges to set up the big fat sinking uh, changeup that he throws. And then you were getting a lot of Bugs Bunny swings because he also had seven K's in this one. So it was, it was not, he wasn't just firing on the one cylinder and just getting lucky with babbit bouts. He was getting the strikeouts too on t- on top of it. So it's um, yeah, I, I just, I hope we can see this guy more this year. I mean, I don't know what their plans are with him. They've got him for a few more years. Is he going to be part of the next big Cubs team? Or is this something that you're just hoping that he's going to be awesome and you just keep churning? And I hate to say it, but like We're in a year that it feels like we're not trying. So anybody that does well on the team is just bait at this point. So um hate to say it, but
0: he has uh, his contract runs through 2023 and has a vesting option for 2024. So I think that there is a possibility for Kyle Hendricks to be quite frankly, the leader on the next good Cubs team and the Cubs would need to be pretty blown away by an offer to move him. Like, I'm not saying they couldn't be blown away by an offer to move him, but I feel like when you're talking about a couple of years of a guy versus like not versus like six months of a guy, I think that that just, that just raises the stakes on the offer considerably.
1: He doesn't come up in a lot of those conversations. I understand that, but I mean, he's got a very affordable contract that uh, I mean, and because of that, you could get teams to take it on without, paying any of it if you wanted to a lot of the time and so yeah um, if
0: if a deal for Kyle Hendricks went down this summer I imagine it would look a lot like the deal the Blue Jays made for Jose Barrios last year with the Minnesota Twins because that's another one where they were getting like multiple years of a guy who's not really a strikeout guy he does a lot of pitch to contact stuff but he just has a really good track record of suppressing contact and and the Twins return on that Barrios deal was was great by the way they got um, a couple of very high level prospect, prospects back from the blue Jays there, if I recall correctly. So I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I am saying that you, you're not even, if, if you liked the return for Javier Baez and you should Pete Crow Armstrong is raking in the minor leagues. If you liked the return for Chris Bryant and you should Caleb Killian rocks, uh, I'm telling you the return for a couple of years of Kyle Hendricks is much greater, much greater. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't see it happening. It depends what what we don't know what's going on in their brains right now about how, how far they're going to kick this can down the road. But yeah, I don't want to see Kyle go. I think he could, he's only what? 32 right now. Oh, so
0: made me, I just flicked away from his fan graphs page. Yeah. He's now I'm looking at it. He's 32 years old, five months and five days.
1: Yeah, so I mean, and he's only making fourteen million this year and that next year. So I mean, I don't want to be like, "Oh, Kyle Hendricks is awesome. I I love the way he pitched on Monday. Let's trade him." But like, I'm just kind of being a realist, and be, after Blue Friday, I'm kind of ruined. So I'm like, "All right, they're all gone. I understand." And you know, if you think about how we even got Kyle Hendricks, it'd be a similar deal to that. It's Ryan Dempster went off to Texas when they needed a guy, you know, and totally. so and so it would be. Well, I don't think Dempster had a whole lot on his contract then. I'm not sure. But um he was towards the end of his career. Kyle isn't. And I think Kyle could actually pitch till he's forty.
0: Yeah, he really does have the type of delivery and relies on the type of deception that can last a long time. He's not gonna blow his arm out the yeah. same way that like a Verlander could or something, right? Although Verlander didn't blow his arm out till he was much older, so I should probably use a different example, but you get the idea.
1: Well, and we saw I mean he had the 477 earned run average last year. It he gave up a ton of home runs, 31 on the season. Um that was an aberration. I think a lot of us thought the blue might be off the rose with him, but I mean, what we saw last night was pretty vintage Hendricks. He got his ERA under 5. I expect him to build on that. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just liking what I see. He's 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 coming back to a consistent place and if and if we can uh if he can build on that, man, I mean, it's like I I hope that the Cubs. I am not Not saying they should sign him past what they have, but uh, you know, I hope that they do make him part of the future plans, just because I like him, and I think he's a good stabilizing presence in the rotation. If you can slot him back one or two,
0: right? Yeah, I mean that's that's the key. You need he he should not be the staff ace. He should be yeah. the guy that follows a Darvish or. That follows a Lester or, I mean, I I love Kyle Hendricks and he definitely in 2016 had a season that could be held up against anybody and he could do that again. But I think you need an anchor for your staff that is a little bit more of your traditional.
1: I mean, look at the Brewers. they've got all the pitching they've got all the
0: pitching uh down out there in milwaukee um let's talk a little bit more about this game wilson is on one of his hot streaks we will get to him more in later games when he's mashing home runs and everything but frankly wilson's on one of those tears where he's going to go like nine for 12 with a bunch of extra base hits and rbis and just just enjoy the ride people he does this every now and again he's going to have a month where he puts up an OPS of like 1100 or 1200, and probably not wind up with player of the month honors for it because he never does, but he'll be the player of the month at my heart.
1: <laughs> yeah. I real Wilson's what is he has on the week? He's has a OPS of 1.604. He's got a couple home runs, batting 550. You just can't get the guy out. He's got a triple to go with it, and plus a bunch of walks. And the best <laughs> stat of it all his one strikeout in the last 20 at bats, just one. Well, so he,
0: he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks no. a lot. Um, and he makes, and when he gets on one of these tears where he makes a lot of contact, he just does damage, man. Like that's just what he does.
1: Yeah. But talk about, I mean, talk about people you want extended right now. It's like, all right, Please. well, it's, it's yeah. all
0: I want. It's all. I, so do you want to hear something crazy about Wilson Contreras right now? I'm looking at Wilson's stat cast page at the moment. He has the best hard hit rate in the majors. If you ever want to see a hundred on a stat cast page, go look at Wilson Contreras today, Thursday, May twelfth. Because right now, Wilson Contreras is your hard hit lead, hard hit rate leader in MLB. He is hitting the ball hard, sixty point three percent of the time, which is absurdity. Uh, his max EV is one sixteen point two. That is the highest max EV of his career. His average exit velocity is ninety three point six. Wilson Contreras is raking.
1: Yeah, no, he, he really is. And, uh, it also tomorrow is his birthday. So happy birthday to Wilson as well.
0: Happy birthday to Wilson. And we're going to talk about the fact that they put that game on Apple TV, which I am just, God, I hate him. I hate major league baseball, Danny. I'm I'm not doing it. I'm not adding Apple TV to watch Wilson Contreras, birthday game. And I know he is going to go off because if you recall, were you at Wilson Contreras bobblehead day, which was also on his birthday?
1: Uh, I was, and didn't he hit, like, he hit a few home runs. He had a
0: grand slam in the first inning. Yeah. He then hit a two-run homer. He also hit a double. He also threw out Tim Anderson stealing. It was the Wilson Contreras game. It was.
1: uh, Willie the beast.
0: It was incredible. And I remember I had my, like, the Wilson Contreras bobblehead is perfect in every way. It's got a little removable mask. They put his Venezuelan arm sleeve on it that he used to wear before MLB decided they hate fun and took away his Venezuelan arm sleeve. It is, it was perfection. And there's just, the dude shows up on days like that, right? Like, if you give Wilson Contreras a day or you're like, hey, your mom's in the stands. Or like, hey, it's your birthday or it's your bobblehead day. Like, he's just going to, he's just going to rake. So... I fully expect Wilson to have a monster game in Arizona on Friday.
1: Yeah. Well that's And we, I'll have to hear about it from Pat Hughes as well, because uh, same. uh yeah, I'm not doing that either.
0: Same. Um, all right. So first game, great stuff. Uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to Mackenzie Gore who looked awesome. The Cubs got to him for a bunch of runs, but frankly, that's a solid pitcher. I wish the Cubs had a few of those like waiting in the wings <laughs> coming, coming up this year. I don't know that we'll see any of the Cubs pitching talent this year, maybe next year. Uh, The second game, Wade Miley made his first Cubs start. That was one of our TBDs. Good to see Wade Miley back, particularly since the Cubs could use him innings. That said, Mr. Miley just did not want to throw strikes. And I I saw a few of our friends on Twitter talking about, oh, it's his first start. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. Look, if you go look at the pitch on on Baseball Savant, on StatCast, you can look at every pitch and where they're thrown. I think the man threw maybe 15% actual strikes. He did get some swings on pitches outside of the zone. He did get some calls on pitches outside of the zone, but like he only threw a very small number of strikes and you cannot do that to major league baseball teams. Cause when you do that, they just stop swinging and then you walk a bunch of guys, which is what Wade Miley did in this. Well, game. and
1: the umpire, the umpire also called a couple of strikes balls on him and uh, changed a few innings as well because he's throwing so many balls that the umpire is just seeing it as a ball, even when it's a strike. So you don't do yourself any favors is all I'm saying. Uh, so robot umps now, I do want that to happen eventually because it's frustrating. Uh, yeah. It's um, I mean, Miley, I know it's his first time back, so we, maybe we should be a little patient. I mean, I'm, I, what choice do we have, especially because we don't, this is the first time, like we almost had a fourth starter for the first time of this whole year. We almost what had one. Do
0: we have, and
1: yeah, no, that's really that should have been instead of it's different here. It should have been, and isn't actually that the Reds' slogan? Isn't that oh, what the God, owner I said? Don't,
0: I don't what know. What choice?
1: Yeah, no. no what he choice was do like, we
0: have? Was the Phil Castellini quote? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What choice do you have? Where are you going to (laughs) go? Like that should be the, that should be the, uh, instead of it's different here. What choice do you really have Cubs fans? Um, yeah, I mean, he's got to be the guy, especially now we don't know when Stroman's going to come back. I don't know if I haven't heard anything about that, but, um, uh, yeah, Stroh's out with the COVID and, um, hopefully test and doesn't catch a bad case, but we haven't heard anything. I don't think unless you've heard anything different than me. But uh, you know, Miley was good back in the day. Like he was good with the Reds. He was good with the Brewers that one year when they took us over in 2018. So, I mean, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna wait this one out because I I do I did like that pickup quite a bit.
0: I-, I like the pickup too, and I think Miley can be sneaky good when he is on a tear. I mean, he did throw an O-hitter last year. I think he was worth like 5.8 F war last year, which is kind of absurd. It was definitely his best year and I I don't think that he's going to do that again like I think that if you look at his underlying numbers things like his XFIP his Sierra like you see that Wade Miley um, probably is going to struggle a little bit but the Cubs have been very leaning into the pitch to contact type of guys Wade Miley very much is a pitch to contact type of guy I just think in looking at this particular start I I had this sinking feeling of if this guy thinks he's going to nibble and throw 80% balls all season it's going to it's not going to last very long. You got to at least hit the strike zone. I don't know. 30% of the time, 40% of the time. I don't know what a good number is there, but it's not 15.
1: Yeah. I mean, five walks in three innings. That's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: it was <laughs> well, not great. The, the,
1: the good news is, is even though he has an ERA of nine right now, uh, his uh FIP is actually uh, seven forty five. So it, you're looking for that to to work out in in the end, right? No, I'm kidding. No, but, totally.
0: Um, yeah, um, it's yeah,
1: it's not great. Five hits, five walks. That's a lot of traffic. And the Cubs still almost won this game. So uh,
0: still, yes, and, and it, I wanna what a weird game. Right? Uh, like Alfonso,
1: Alfonso Rivas, he hits that home run, and the ball goes over. It hits the guy's mitt. What's his name Azokar or something like that? Azokar. Yeah, it, it it's his mitt goes over the wall. So that that could have been caught just as easily. Could have been down by a lot more in that ninth. Well, and, uh,
0: before we before we move on to the ninth though, that that Rivas home run was also fun cuz it was it happened as Kyle Hendricks was doing his interview with Boo. So we got to see how Kyle Hendricks reacts to a home run real time and like you got to see him cheer for a teammate and frankly it was exactly I don't know if you've ever looked at some of the write-ups I've done on BCB that we call Sarah's snapshots where I look at individual plays and break them down and every now and again I like pan to the dugout and I'm like and you can tell that Kyle Hendricks is blah, blah 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 here and I try to pretend that I know what players are thinking or something but honestly I feel like I have nailed every one of those with Kyle Hendricks after listening watching him during this interview and watching him watch a home run because he got very studious for a second, like, hmm, is this ball going to go out? I don't know. The ball's been weird this year. Oh, look, it went out. Yay, I can cheer now. And it was like this very deliberate like, process by which the professor finally decided he could cheer. It was actually,
1: <laughs> Yeah, it was a genuine reaction. I I happened, I rarely watched baseball games. I mostly, I mean, on TV, I should say. I watched them all the time at Wrigley Field. I like having them on, maybe in the background on the TV, but I mostly take it in with my, Mr. Pat Hughes. Like he's just he's just the goat, and I like as long as Pat Hughes exists, I'm going to be listening that way. So, but I happen to catch this one on TV, and it and it and not only did I enjoy uh, that interview, and I usually don't enjoy the in game interviews either because I want to just watch the game. Um, but um, not only did I enjoy that, I kind of enjoyed Rick Sutcliffe. And I don't know if it's the little 1984 10-year-old Danny that's like, oh, the Red Barons pitching when I'm going to the game. I'm so excited. Like, but he's like, he's a total homer in a way that I dig. And
0: he is a total homer.
1: <laughs> and I know he's and he's rough around the edges in also a way that I enjoy. And I always also get to feel like he's a beer or two in even if he might not be like, he just has that personality, not saying that he's drinking in the booth. I don't think he is. I don't think they would let him um, or be frowned upon or whatever. If he's, we're just going to move
0: right. We're going to move right through this one. I I know where you're going here. It does sort of seem like he's a little bit like, uh, what's the word unfiltered. But I, I, yeah, I he he's not drinking in the booth, but he, he yeah. does seem unfiltered in a way that is sort of funny.
1: Yeah. Now my fear is he's going to cancel himself by saying something <laughs> dumb. But like you know, Mike, you haven't seen Mark Grace for around for a little bit ever since the Archie Bunker episode. But like, uh, but I, but you know, the Red Baron, like I just dig it. It's the former player thing. Like it, him, I enjoy listening to. I love listening to Doug Glanville. Uh, he's awesome in the booth and, you know, I I do like JD kind of, I mean, but that, that broadcast team never really grew on me in the way that, um, even Coom dog grew on me and, and Coom was a little rough at first too. And now he's pretty good, you know, and he knows the game really well. Um, that's what I dig about it. And, and with Sutcliffe, I mean, he'll, he'll tell you like it is good or bad. And that's why I also enjoy that. Like, he's never trying to like the guys hitting 0. 0.86, but he's like hitting the ball at 95 miles per hour every time off his bat. Like he's going to be like, well, I don't know. He's got to just hit it harder somewhere else. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I don't care about your freaking hard contact rate. Cause you're hitting it right in a glove. Like that would be Sutcliffe's answer to that. And I like that. Cause that's like a little bit of the old school mix, but understanding the new school, but being somewhat dismissive of the math at times, which is always changing. I like to remind the math people that the math changes, um, you know, the expected batting average. Every time it hits a glove, you hit it 105 and it hits a glove and you're out. That will change the expected batting average. So like these things are flexible and moving within the game of baseball, Zig, zag, adjustments, have always been part of the game. So, um, Anyway, I'm I'm on a sidetrack. I'm just saying I like Sut. I like Sut.
0: I I like Sut too. There were a couple of times, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the exact moments, but maybe like when Ildemaro Vargas is misplaying a ball or has like broken the wrong way and Sut is just like, oh man, you can't do, you cannot break that way on that ball. And he's just like totally (laughs) freaking out because Ildemaro Vargas, who is like admittedly, the fourth string cap- like shortstop option for the Cubs, with Nico yeah. going down because he collided with an umpire. Oh God! Uh, you know it's like I I appreciate how invested Sut is in Ildemaro Vargas because that's how invested I am as a fan <laughs> in Ildemaro Vargas.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like it's a, it's like Ronnie Santo. You know, is kind of. Uh- That situation, you know? Yeah. And um, speaking
0: of things that got Boog and Sut super fired up, let's talk about Frank Schwindel's Not a Grand Slam that died in the Marine. Uh, Look, this is the baseball. And I don't have the studies done on this yet, but a few things have happened recently that I feel pretty confident this is the baseball, right? Like, you've got players out there talking about how the ball feels different. Some of whom talking about how it's giving them advantages or disadvantages. There's a really great Sportsnet Canada piece out um, where Kevin Gaussman talks about how for his particular pitch mix, the ball is actually great for him. Uh, And he's having an exceptional year, which doesn't seem to be an accident. I've heard multiple pitchers in interviews and multiple players in interviews, Andrew McCutcheon, Chris Bassett saying that the ball feels different, that some of the balls have like dents or they feel kind of mushy in them um and then uh, dr meredith wills friend of the show who has been on this podcast before was in the athletic hypothesizing and i think this is dead on the money hypothesizing that you basically make the ball and it's like this it's this core covered in yarn that's then covered in cowhide in a humid environment in costa rica right and then you ship all of those balls to the united states where they get stored in these humidor environments that are trying to like create the perfect amount of humidity for that baseball, which the yarn inside the ball then shrinks and like expands at different rates, depending on the humidity that it is stored in. Okay. So when you pull the ball out of storage, all of a sudden, in all of these parks and these places that haven't had humidors before, we're seeing balls fly 10 feet shorter than they used to. That's work that, Eno Saris and Ken Rosenthal did over at the athletic. And Dr. Will said that the, that the, the, the Cover of the ball feels a little bit like it's moving. And this is something that Boog said uh, on during the Game 3 broadcast. Him and Set did sort of a, like, blind test. Like, here, I've got a ball from four years ago. I've got a ball from this year. Which one do you think is which? And it didn't take Boog more than five seconds to figure it out. And he used the same exact phrases that are in all of these interviews and in all of these conversations. Mushy. The cover feels loose. If the cover is loose on the ball, the ball is going to be less round. There's going to be more drag. It's going to fly shorter distances. And the ball that Frank Schwindel hit, and we need to talk about X stats for a second here, people. I apologize. I'm about to get kind of teachery for a second, but I promise it only be for a short minute. X stats are based on previous year's data, so they're projections, right? Like you, you can input numbers and say what something should should have done. So when I, when I say that a ball had an expected batting average of 7.10, that means in previous years of StatCast data, it had an expected batting average of 7.10. Well, we know <laughs> that the ball is different this year and that the ball is traveling shorter distances. So that expected number is going to go down when we get more data from this year. Like that's just comparing it to previous years. That does not mean anybody saying, oh, this 100% should have been a home run. It does mean that in the history of StatCast data, which only goes back to 2015, this is the worst baseball we've ever seen. Now, this baseball probably compares pretty favorably to balls from like 2012, 2008, 2002, whatever, but we don't have data for any of those time periods. So we're only comparing this ball to all of the different rocket balls that have happened from 2015 until 2021. And as a result, you see things like all of us groaning in unison in Chicago as Frank Schwindel's ball that looked like it was targeted for the left field bleachers dies on the warning track and and Profar rips out all of our hearts.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you said a mouthful there. And the problem is, of course, that nobody knows what to expect from year to year. And I don't really mind if the ball is deader and it becomes harder to hit home runs and that, you know, you're not going to have some like – you know, backup guy on nobody's radar come out and hit 25 home runs that, you know, shouldn't, or a guy goes, remember, like, I think it was 2019 that like one year, like a guy hit like four home runs. And then next year he hit 40. Like, what am I looking at here? You know, exactly. The, for the year to year thing is ridiculous. I think all we, what we want is consistency. I think that's what the players want. Um, I don't care that. I mean, obviously I wish that ball went over the fence. I don't mind warning track shots. I don't mind less home runs. I think, I think home runs are kind of boring. I think people running around the bases and actually playing real baseball is like more fun. Doubles tr- are more fun than home runs. Triples are more fun than home runs. Um, stolen bases are exciting plays. You know, I don't wouldn't mind if we zagged that way and the ball was part of it. Just make it consistent and, and quit going too far with it. And can we, and, you're right about the thing about the humidity because from the, go to Arizona, you're going to have one thing. Chicago is different from day to day. Like right now it's super humid, but last week when it was 40, you know, it maybe wasn't as humid. Like it, the, it changes constantly here. What are you going to do? Ch- keep changing your humidifier or, or like, what if you bring them into the dugout and then the temperature drops 20, 20 degrees, then what happens to the ball? You know, there's so many factors that they're just, they've been doing a really poor job. And on top of it, weren't they supposed to try to get more offense? Wasn't that the whole point of all this?
0: It was indeed. The point was that uh, we would go back to old school offense where there were doubles and triples and stolen bases and things. And I I think that the bigger problem with that is that that is a multi. Like, that's a multi-step process. Because right now, if you just deaden the baseballs, we know from research that was done over at Cancrast that all that did was take home runs and turn them into long outs. It didn't create doubles. didn't create triples. It just turned balls that used to be productive into outs. Now, are there ways to incentivize more contact in the sport? Sure, absolutely. Like, you can ban the shift. You can do larger bases. You can do all sorts of things that would incentivize more hitting for contact type of approaches in the game that would incentivize say guys who hit like Nick Madrigal, as opposed to guys who, who approach the game, like Joey Gallo, like you can absolutely do that. I don't think MLB has done the secondary steps there to make that happen. So what you have right now is the intermediary product where you've got a bunch of three true outcome guys swinging for the fences and just missing
1: (laughs) a bunch of contact
0: guys missing on things. I mean, I don't even know, like I, you know, we talked at the top of the show about how Nick Madrigal stuff is probably more injury related than anything, but if you are a contact genius and part of your special skill set is you understand where the ball is going to be and you're very good at getting your bat there. I imagine having a ball that doesn't behave the way you predicted it would impacts that.
1: Yeah. Well, and it giveth and it taketh because then in game three, like you almost had the, the, was it at Will Myers? I think that hit a baseball that would have, (laughs) Tied out. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah and
1: would have gone out as well and so it's happening for all the teams so it, it just one one of the games we came out on the good side of and the other one we didn't and um you know but there was a lot more things that happened in game two that just kind of bugged me uh, in general it felt like miley would get the two outs and then couldn't get Another one, and so we were just like, "Oh, they were scoring with two outs, a bunch." Meanwhile, the Cubs have no outs and and runners on second and third a few times, and they threaten, 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 and then they end up just. I think they were. I wrote it down here, two for eleven with runners in scoring position, which wasn't good enough to to win, obviously. But uh, you know, the thing that was frustrating about this game is like it felt like we had all the opportunities in the world to win before Frank the tank at the end, which that was kind of a fluke because there were two outs and then Suzuki gets on and then Hap gets on and there was a hit by pitch and all this stuff happened and all of a sudden you put yourself into a position, then they score a run. Now you can can, uh, do something with it. Frank only needed a single to go ahead. So, you know, and you take what you're given if you hit a grand slam, (laughs) even better, but still like you know, the Cubs had all the opportunities in the world to win this game and they just came up Short, there was a couple of, a lot of balls bouncing off gloves, even though like Nico Horner's making great plays out there. Sometimes he's also like, you know, you know, VR's out there at second balls are bouncing off his glove. bowels of balls are bouncing off of Nico's glove. Like, I don't know if like Javi gets to those. I don't know if Nico gets there, if he's playing second, but you know, it's just something that I'm already kind of tuned into that our middle infield is not as good as it once was. Obviously. And yeah, I mean, and it's just, it's a range factor. Right. So, you know, it's like Darwin Barty when the gold glove, cause he just didn't make errors on balls hit right to him, you know, kind right. of thing. It's exactly. like, yeah, great. Make the routine play him all for that. But like, you know, Javier Baez used to make plays in left field. So, you know, At the warning track.
0: (laughs) I once did a defensive map of who covers what for the Cubs. And it was like this tiny little corner in left field for Kyle Schwarber. And this like area right around third base for Chris Bryant. And then I gave like everything from center to the bleachers to Javier. I was like, this is Javi land. Um, You know what? We are actually well over time for a quick break. We still haven't talked about game three. We'll talk about game three on the flip side. And we will also talk about news and notes from around the league. We will also preview the Diamondback series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stick with us. But first, a quick break. All right, we are back. So game three of this series uh, was super fun. Keegan Thompson got the start. He did fine. Like he did what I kind of expected Keegan Thompson to do with the start. The thing about this game, there was a lot of back and forth here. And I liked that the Cubs never gave up every time the Padres came back. I liked that they kept putting pressure on, kept scoring runs, man. I love when Wilson is on tears like this. It is so much fun I love Frank Schwindel kind of looking like maybe the scare of Iowa just fixed his bat just a little bit because, frankly, he's had a few hard hit balls now that look much better than what he had done before. But can we talk about Michael Givens for a second? Because I swear to God, the second that Boogan started talking about the tr- what they called the tree of trust and while why Givens was in the tree of trust, he chopped down the tree of trust. and Yeah,
1: exactly. He used it for firewood. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't good. He gives up the two home runs. And I mean, Givens has looked good this year and he's looked absolutely terrible this year. So I, maybe it's a, I don't know if he's got that funky delivery. I'm into it. I'm rooting for it, but I don't know that he belongs in the tree of trust (laughs) at all. Because yeah, it's just, it, it, it's been inconsistent. I mean, I'm looking at his game logs here so far this year. And, um, I mean, really
0: ever since that Atlanta game where I teed up the tweet to say, Michael Gibbons just struck out the side on 11 pitches and then he blew it. And then Uh, he blew it. Yeah. It's it's been inconsistent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And, uh, yeah, he's really, he, he hasn't had a, he had a clean inning against the Padres and two strikeouts on May 10th. Uh, he had a clean inning on May e, May 7th uh, against the Dodgers in the 6-2 loss in the evening. Um, and then there was one back on April 24th. Um, Yeah, but uh, no walks six, six, but he's got 20 strikeouts in 12.2 innings but he's given up 11 hits and given up five runs. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, you it's can't, be, you can't be, get, no, it's not great. It's like, give it and take it. Like if you need the strikeout, it might be there for you. 20 strikeouts in a, in, in 12.2 innings pitched is pretty good, but three home runs in 12.2 innings pitched is not really good I mean I I think that
0: the bigger problem is that the Cubs just don't have a back end of the bullpen right now with David Robertson out presumably on the COVID IL I think it's undisclosed officially but that's usually COVID so it's like you basically Rowan Wick is it like you got to get the game to Rowan Wick and then Rowan Wick has to throw a million pitches which is what he did in this game and like props to Rowan Wick for getting it done but you need he can't be the only guy there to take care of three or four innings.
1: Well, and Efros too. Like talk about (laughs) Efros in this game. I mean, the poor guy had to get like 17 outs to get out of the sixth.
0: (laughs) Did you see the pitches Zach Efros threw to Jorge Alfaro that were on Pitching Ninjas?
1: I did. I did. That's some funky stuff.
0: Okay, look, they call that a sinker. It's like some weird sinker-screwball combo, man. The way that broke towards the hitter and then just fell, like I – that's an impossible piss. I don't understand. How does anybody ever hit anything? That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. That's, that's one of those balls that like Satchel page would have like named Michelle or something. Oh, I'm throwing him the Michelle, (laughs) you know, or like some girl that he likes, you know, that kind of, thing. I mean, that pitch, that pitch needs like, uh, you know, the name of a, of a, like a huge yacht or something, because it's, that's, that's some funky stuff. That's yeah, that cool was stuff.
0: that was ridiculous. If you've not looked at this, we'll retweet it from the Cup of Cubby Blue account. Make sure you're following the Cup of Cubby Blue account for tweets like this, because frankly, they're awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, la- the last part of this game. I really want to make sure we talk about, you know, the Cubs have Seiya up on the shelf because he kind of tweaked his ankle running in the first game. Now, Nico collides with an umpire and he is on the shelf. I'm I'm really hoping both of these guys are just precautionary and they can come back soon. This Cubs offense looks tremendously different. When you have Nico Horner making hard contacts, hitting a lot of doubles, hitting a lot of line drives, uh, you got Saya placing balls perfectly and really running up pitcher counts. Like this offense is much better with both of those dudes in it. It's not very good without them.
1: Yeah, even though Saya went through a pretty rough stretch there for a little bit, even, I mean, he was part of that uh, fake rally at the end of the Schw- Schwindel situation. He still can come in and bat, I guess his foot's banged up from hitting the base or something like that, I guess would happen. So, um, yeah. And the problem is we don't really have backups. Whereas like really, if you think back to 2016, when like somebody would go down there'd be somebody to come up and luckily there weren't a lot of Cubs were extraordinarily healthy in during that year. Uh, they were younger and I think that's a huge part of it, but they were really healthy. But you, we saw like, what happened when Rizzo went down and Javi went down. That's how Nico Horner ended up on the team in the first place. Cause we were like all five of our shortstops and the backup shortstops and the second baseman that could put kind of play shortstop. And I believe even Chris Bryant played shortstop one time, like just everything went wrong that year. And we don't really have that now. You know, we have, you know, the backup is, gosh, I don't even know who the backup to some of these guys, (laughs) to be honest, like who's at triple a that, you know, could come up. I kind of forget, um, because they're not, they're not worth remembering. (laughs) Is the the reason. So, um, yeah, but, uh, they're not going to bring up any of the prospects that you want to see. And Brendan Davis isn't having a good year. And, and frankly, the outfield's not the one that's injured. It's the infield. So, um, with magical and Horner down, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's Trent Jambroni to, coming up. I don't know what's we happening prefer here.
0: prefer to see fewer games of Ildemar Vargas is what I'm trying to say. I'm, no offense to Mr. Vargas. I, I will it, always be grateful for that home run he hit off Josh Hader.
1: Yeah, that is the backup. I, and we're waiting for Andrelton Simmons, who's on a rehab assignment. So Waiting I guess for we're
0: Andrelton gonna... Simmons should be the subhead of every episode. Of this
1: <laughs> it's like waiting for Daniel Descouse. Still waiting
0: for Andrelton Simmons. Uh, well, Andrelton and and Simmons is coming to save the day.
1: <laughs> and it was brought up on the Sun Ranto show last night, and I had forgotten about this, is that Robel Garcia...
0: Exists. And is hitting yeah, hitting
1: is Yeah, and he's on a cup. He is a cup. How's he doing this year? I'm going to look him up right now. He's hitting
0: bombs. I saw I saw somebody posting bombs oh. of his last night. He still strikes out a lot, though. So you, it's, he's basically a Patrick Wisdom with less power and more strikeouts.
1: Okay. Yeah, I remember that. He couldn't hit an off-speed pitch. Yeah, he's got... 32 strikeouts in 72 at bats. <laughs> but he's got six bombs.
0: Yeah, told bomb bombs and strikeouts. <laughs> if Patrick Wisdom goes down, we've got a replacement for him. Uh no, I no no offense. I do love Robel Garcia. I'm sure we'll see his bat up at some point in time. Let's take some look at news and notes from around the league. Reed Detmers through a no-hitter. I heard on the CBS fantasy today podcast that he had never taken a start later than six innings in the majors. And he just threw a no hitter. So props to Reed Detmers. Interestingly though, not the coolest thing that happened in that game. The coolest thing that happened in that game. uh, This was one of those blowouts. So Anthony Rendon came up to face. um, Oh, I'm blanking on the dude's name position player, Brett Phillips. Uh, Brett Phillips was pitching uh, because it was like 10 to nothing. Uh, Angels at that point or whatever so Anthony Rendon comes up and channels his inner Javier Baez decides he's going to take his first career at bat in the majors left-handed and hits a bomb so yeah (laughs) Anthony Rendon
1: yeah that was pretty cool um and of course it all the lot of people got mad about it well that's just disrespecting the game and I'm like oh my god lighten up (laughs)
0: That's not disrespecting the game. That is respecting the game. Look, if you're going to bring in a position player to pitch, then got to be prepared for left-handed bombs off of him. Uh, Josh Naylor is literally bananas. Did you see the video of Josh Naylor after he hit that game-tying grand slam? And then he later hit the go-ahead home run against the White Sox. But I actually was scared for the dugout here. Like, Naylor came in just like, "Ah," like the incredible Hulk. Like, the incredible Hulk had been unleashed in the Cleveland dugout. And my favorite is Emmanuel class a kind of like cowering in the corner, like, dude, don't like, I don't want to be in the way of this explosion.
1: Oh no. I, yeah, I did see that. And no, he, he lost his mind. And then, and then the second time he came around, I, he was like saying, "Shh, shh to everybody to, and then he didn't, he like, went around because the first time he went around the bases and he had his fist in the air or, or am I mixing up the times that it was?
0: I, I honestly don't remember. I just, right. the whole thing was kind of like, wow, Taylor is intense, man. Yeah. And
1: then, but one of the times he, I think it was the grand slam that he, he didn't, he just went around the bases and he was all chilled out. Cause the first one, he was not chilled out. He was his hand in the air is pointing at everybody like going nuts. And then, the grand slam, he just went around the base quietly, he kept going, shh, shh, and like putting up the, the, his finger to his mouth. And then he got in the, into the dugout and he started freaking out. And I tell you, man, I, I mean, whatever he's having, like he's got to have a little less of it because that's a lot. I mean, I get it. The bobs he's all hyped up, but I mean, you're going to hurt somebody. And we see this every single year that guys get hurt in home run celebrations. <laughs> every year it happens. They, yeah. they tackle him at home plate. They throw powder in his eyes. He's out for three days, you know?
0: Yeah. So don't do that. Like keep, keep the guys, keep the guys on the field after they're hitting the bombs. Um, speaking of places, we hope there will be bombs. The Cubs are headed to Arizona for a three game set. Once again, the probable pitchers are, are one named pitcher and two TBDs. So we've got Drew Smiley. Uh, we'll take Friday's, uh, take the mound on Friday's game for the Cubs. And then TBD, TBD back to back, uh, what are you thinking for the Cubs in these probable pitcher matchups, Danny? Oh, I forgot to mention the Diamondbacks will be throwing our old friend Zach Davies. And I, if the Cubs can't get to Zach Davies, I'm going to lose my mind. But they will also they will throw another Zach after that with Zach Gallen. And then Humberto Castellanos will uh, get the ball uh, for the Sunday game.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Zach Davies is actually, uh, much to the uh, dismay of Cub fans, having a pretty decent year so far this year. I can't. He's six games. He's got a three thirty four and run average. He's actually worth 0.3 WAR right now. Uh, a Baseball Reference WAR. Um, I know that's the lesser of the wars, but it just happens to be the site I'm on. But he's got a one twenty two ERA plus, so he's been really good for Arizona, which is annoying. I know for us, and uh, yeah, the TBD. I, I guess we're just gonna wait and see. I guess it could be. I mean, Hendrix, I feel like he pitches in one of these. Is turn for the fifth day would be Saturday and then it would be Miley. So I wonder what they're going to do with that or if they're just going to give him the extra day. He had 116 pitches last time. Maybe you do him Sunday, do a bullpen game Saturday. It'd be interesting to see, but uh, yeah, gallon is a a really good young, great young pitcher for, uh, for the diamondbacks got an ERA under one right now. Um, And Cubs haven't seen these guys. They, I mean, they've seen Zach Davies, some of them, but, uh, but the Cubs, as they are currently constructed, do not have a lot of experience against gallon or Umberto Castellanos who now we're getting towards like, you know, the back of their rotation at that point. But, but the other two guys are doing pretty well.
0: One of the things I'm looking for in this series, chase is one of those Western fields that has like tons of room in the outfield. And I feel like the, this iteration of the Cubs should be able to dump some balls in the outfield for extra base hits, kind of similar to what they did in Colorado. I'm I'm looking to see the Cubs really just kind of make a bunch of contact and keep this Diamondbacks team on their toes for most of the series. Another thing that was interesting to me as I was looking at, you know, I, I do some of the hot hitter stuff and run some filters and whatnot. The Diamondbacks have been one of the worst offenses in baseball at their home park. They are hitting 183, 284, 313 as a team with a WRC plus of 72 uh, at home this season. So I think that there's an opportunity for Drew Smiley, Kyle Hendricks, maybe even Wade Miley to come in here and, and have some really nice starts against a team that's been kind of scuffling uh, from the plate. Meanwhile, the Cubs have been much better on the road um, offensively than they have been at home. And again, that could be a court, like some lingering Coors Field impacts, but worth keeping an eye on as we're watching these uh, hitters, the two guys who have been particularly hot for the Diamondbacks are Dalton Varsho and Kevin Smith, both of whom have a WRC plus just barely over 140. They have a handful of guys hanging out around 111, 107, but not really, um, not really some of the power bats that we have seen lately. What are you thinking about these Diamondbacks hitters and the offense? Danny?
1: Well, I, I tell you one thing, Kevon Smith is a catcher and he's actually is my uncle's neighbor or he grew up. In Pittsburgh. And my uncle, you look out his back uh, door and you see Kevon Smith's house. (laughs) Like that's how close that they, uh, he lives. So I, every time he, and he's been around now, he was with the white Sox for a bit. He's kind of like, a he was with Atlanta last year. Um, so he got himself a ring and, um, so it's interesting that he's putting together a good offensive year because he's not really known for being very good offensively. So I don't know what he's figuring out at age thirty-four as a backup catcher. I'm talking about catcher. two
0: different. I'm talking about Pavin Smith.
1: Oh, I'm talking about Kevin Smith.
0: Yeah, I think we're talking about two different Smiths. But but I am happy for Kevin Smith too. Uh, no, pa- Pavin Smith for the Diamondbacks is. Hold on, let me pull up his page here really quick.
1: No, no, he's doing Kevon Smith's not doing anything for the, the he's not even on a team this year. Like yeah. he was the play last year for Atlanta.
0: Kevin and, Smith is uh, a is a first base outfield guy. He's twenty six years old and, and he's been he's been all right. Like he's kind of a league average that so far this season he's hit two thirty three, three thirty seven, three eighty four with three home runs and a uh, his season long WRC plus is one hundred eight, but over the last three weeks he's been pretty hot with a WRC plus of one forty.
1: But how's Ozzie Smith doing?
0: I don't know. We're going to have to ask the Cardinals. Although that reminds me, one of the the things I meant to put in the MLB news and notes from around the league. Did you see the footage of Yachty going second to third on a ball (laughs) that got kind of dumped? I've never seen somebody run so slow in my life, except maybe Albert Pujols. And and it it inspired an idea. Can we get a Yachty Pujols race going? Because I think that would be hysterical.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I can't really say anything cause they could both probably still run faster than I can. So you're not, I'm not a major gonna...
0: league baseball player, Danny.
1: <laughs> I am also 48 years old today, but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I hate to, as an older man, I, like, as I'm moving into middle age, like I I'm kind of, I listen, I hate the Cardinals as much as the next Cubs fan, but to watch, I'm a little jealous. Because our guys are on different teams now. We're not going to get to watch these hardcore age together. That did something big. Yeah, all there will be New no 40 year
0: old Anthony Rizzo chugging around the bases in Chicago.
1: I mean, if they get him back, something went bad because he's loving New York. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's leading the majors in home runs, or at least he was. Um,
0: uh, I can check that in a second. Before I do, let's talk about some hot Cubs hitters who are still Cubs. Wilson Contreras has a WRC plus. Of 166 over the last three weeks. Saya Suzuki uh, coming in at 136. Ian Happ still hot at 125. Patrick Wisdom still hot at 109. What do we see from these Cubs bats lately, Danny? I
1: mean, when they oh, can actually, string. Those in. are
0: season wide numbers. Let me run the three week oh. numbers, but those are season wide numbers.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I was even just earlier looking at the the one week numbers for a little bit, and uh, you know Contreras obviously leading the pack there. But I've liked kind of what I've seen out of uh, out of Rafael Ortega as well. He was taking his walks, and now he's getting his hits, including doubles. Um, Alfonso Rivas, the batting average kind of dipped there, but you know with the home run uh, in front of and the walks that he's been taking like he, I, the dude i know like people hate the word gamer and stuff like that but the dude's a total gamer and then uh because that scrappy guy is like really never that good <laughs> that's why they're scrappy you know it's kind of how it is but he yeah. did that in front of his his uh family who all came up from mexico uh i heard uh Zach Zaidman uh interview him about it and how special that was so like uh, there's a there's a lot of guys I'm starting to like, and if they can string hits together, they can score runs, and they can keep innings going, and they can put pressure on defenses, and they can uh, get starters out of games, which is you're really going to have to do to this Diamondbacks um, team because their starters are their strength.
0: Totally. Uh, let me give you the three-week numbers now and then have you react to those. Alfonso Rivas makes an appearance here, and thank you for – bringing that up because i knew these were not correct uh wilson Contreras, 159 wrc plus over the last three weeks patrick wisdom at 156 alfonso rivas at 149 and ian Hap uh and Seya suzuki rounding up um just slightly above league average 103 and say it exactly league average 100 lately um so yeah alfonso rivas great call there and i agree it was really fun to see him thriving in san diego and talking about his family and i just really like rivas man i want him to I want him to exceed expectations. I want him to be a guy who sticks around for a few years playing really good first base defense. The swing is great. He's got a pretty pretty swing and he makes loud contact even with a dead ball.
1: Yeah, and I don't think pitchers know him yet, and so we're going to have to see how he adjusts when they adjust because you you start hitting you start hitting like this You're going to be on the radar. And then, you know, I remember with like Robel Garcia's first week, he came out, hit like three home runs. We're like, oh my God, the season is saved. And then he just like struck out like 400 times in a row and got sent down. But um, yeah, Rivas, the thing I like about him, he's young. So we got ourselves a situation where if he can put together a good little major league career. Like, I don't know how long he lasts for, but he's only 25 years old.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that he's exactly the type of guy who could come up and just wasn't on anybody's radar and kind of sticks and exceeds expectations. I mean, I think if you, if you remember when Wilson Contreras came up, Wilson Contreras was not supposed to be the dude catching for the Cubs for the next five years. It was supposed to be Kyle Schwarber, they had Miguel Montero and David Ross on the team. Wilson came up because of like an injury replacement and never went back. And I would love Alfonso Rivas to be a dude like that. Just like I'm here, I'm hitting the baseball all over the place. I'm making great plays at first base and you're not getting rid of me because I'm better than what you can get somewhere else.
1: (laughs) Well, they sent him down to Iowa this year and he did nothing but rake as very small sample size. He was only there for three games. But he he batted 538. So it's like, what are you supposed to do with that? Like, if he's batting 538 at Iowa, you got to bring him up. Now, in a pretty much like a 58-game season in 2021, uh, 197 at-bats, much larger sample size, he still did great at Iowa. 284, 405, 411 for an OPS of 816. you do anything close to that, like, and then you'd, what if you do a platoon situation with Frank, the tank and you just bat against righties or like mix it up a little bit, do a little pinch hitting. Cause you're just a bat. You know, I could see him sticking around in a couple different roles. I wish he played like a corner outfield spot or something too.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, Maybe he could. I don't know. Like he seems young enough and good enough defensively that you could maybe figure something.
1: If Joe Madden was the manager, he already would have been a shortstop or something. I mean, Joe (laughs) Madden
0: had Wilson Contreras playing right field. So I think that, you know, Alfonso Rivas, the sky is the limit. If Alfonso Rivas learns how to play a corner outfield position, you will hear about it here first on Cup of Cubby Blue. Until then, Danny, where can people wish you a happy birthday today?
1: Well, you can go on Twitter and wish me at, at Sun Ranto, Sonranto, S O N R A N T O, and uh, if you want to do something nice in uh, for my birthday for somebody else, how about giving some money to the Lost Boys? They're uh, my charity of choice. The Sunranto show tithes like ten percent of our uh, our Patreon money to the Lost Boys, and I'm kind of asking for that for my birthday. Uh, L O S T B O Y Z dot org. Or oh, uh, sorry, Lost dot org, but it's a Z Lost Boys with a Z. So I just want to throw that out there. That's my birthday wish. So check them out. Levante does great work on the South Side, even though he's a Sox fan.
0: Levante does do great work, and there are it's it's an awesome organization. Make sure you support Lost Boys Inc. Uh, we will make sure to tweet that from the Cup of Cubby Blue account, which is where you find all the news and notes from this podcast. If you want to hear my baseball takes or hear me just cheering for Wilson Contreras a lot while he's riding this hot streak. You can follow me at <laughs> at BCB underscore Sarah. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on any and all channels. We love subscribers because and you never miss an episode. If the Cubs get some, do some damage in Arizona, that will certainly be on our next episode and you will not want to miss it until next time.